1: Well, Brad, it was good to to share a little bit about coaching in our last conversation. And what we wanted to do next was take an opportunity to share about some of the things that are happening in our world with uh, real church leaders, church planters who are going through a coaching process. Um, As far as saturate coaching is concerned, we started to see a need many, many years ago, long before I ever came along, like at least 10 years ago of people who just needed help figuring out how to get from here to there. And um, I guess it was maybe maybe two years ago or so when the Saturate platform was um, launching after it had been developed for a while, we started to um, accept uh, applications from all over the place for people who wanted to go through a coaching process. And right now, we've got about 40 church planners, church leaders, who are finishing up our first round of coaching cohorts And these cohorts are going through a process similar to what we talked about in our last conversation. Um, There is a context. It's about leading and multiplying missional communities and church planting. But it, when it's at its best, is non-directive. We're trying to get the guys in these cohorts to learn to take an assessment of their own uh, experience and to learn to own what they need to do to be moving things forward in their unique context. So that's a little bit about the Saturate Coaching cohorts. Our year one experience is about um, exposure and learning to own some of these things. And we have a year two process as well. And the year two process is about um, leadership uh, uh, structures and sustainability so that our churches can be the healthiest as, uh, as possible. So I've got two guys from our cohort, uh, do, different cohorts here, um, Ryan and Dan. Go ahead and, and introduce yourselves to us. Tell us your names and your churches.
2: Thanks for having us on, David and Brad. My name is Ryan, and uh, I am with a church called Kettlebrook Church, about 45 minutes north of Milwaukee.
1: Okay. And who's your coach right now,
2: Ryan? Uh, our coach currently is Jeff Vanderstelt.
1: Cool. What about you, Dan? Tell us your your full name and your church and who your coach is.
2: Yep. I'm uh, Dan Bovenmeyer,
3: and I'm a pastor at Grace Community Church in uh, Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, We actually have a couple campuses, but uh, I pastor currently on our campus out in North Liberty. And uh, uh, my coach is uh, Chuck Chuck.
1: Chuck Geschwind. Yes. (laughs) That's such a cool name. I mean, when I hear that name, I just think, all these amazing thoughts like he must be full uh-huh. of the Holy Spirit with a name like Gishwin.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I've always felt that uh, to be part of this whole like Soma saturate world, you had to have a really awesome last name, like Vanderstelt, <laughs> Achata, Gishwin, <laughs> Uh It, it really uh, even... Forgin is a a church player. I was like, oh man, it wasn't until later that we had some like Smiths and Jones. I was like, okay, (laughs) I can I can belong in this family as a Watson as just a classic (laughs) old person name.
1: Well, Brad, I I told uh, Duke Rivard, you know, who's you know leads the Soma family of churches right now. I, I, I told him my son Isaac, who's nine years old now, he he some somehow Duke's name came up and he goes, Man, that's a cool name. And the next thing I knew he was playing skate three on Xbox, and he had named his his skater Duke Jones so and Duke Jones wears full black, he has like an anarchy t shirt on. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, bro, are you gonna be Duke Jones? Yeah, dad, I'm gonna be Duke Jones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, anyway. man, that's family right there.
4: That's the full <laughs> family identity.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but Dan and Ryan, thanks for for joining us and being willing to talk a little bit about your experience. Um Brad, uh, Brad, why don't you take uh kick it off and and ask us, ask these guys a couple questions. Let's hear about their experience.
4: Yeah, totally. Dan, maybe you could go uh answer this one one of the things David and I were even just talking about uh, recently was how often in, in leadership circles, we want to just step to step 100 and we just want to just sort of cut to the chase. And um, if, if there's going to be a lot of process, we just want to be at the end of the process, you know? Um, And I think getting coached and receiving coaching is, is kind of one of those things too. It's where, maybe a lot of people listening might be thinking, Oh man, how do you even get into that sort of thing? And and what, what causes you to, to receive that sort of coaching? And so Dan, maybe you could sort of speak to your story of, of why you began seeking out uh saturate coaching and, and, and why did you, why did you pursue this?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So my church, um, I've been a pastor here at grace for about five years and, um, it's it's a it's a larger church. Uh, we have uh, quite a few people that come on Sunday morning. And um, ten years ago, this is a church that was pretty much all programs and adult Bible studies. And so it was coming from kind of that that background, that that church tradition of Sunday morning was really it, and there wasn't a lot else going on. And so uh, God really started moving in the pastor's hearts. And I when I came on, the real the real momentum was let's transition this church. That's it's you know, preaching the word is fantastic. It's it's there's nothing wrong with that. And we want to continue to do that. But we want to move people out um onto mission and we want to have a be a church that actually disciples people. And discipleship, uh preaching is part of discipleship, but probably not even the most key part. (laughs) You know? And so there's uh there's a lot to that. So if we really need to be measuring, are we discipling people well? And are they going on a mission? And we really weren't doing that very well. And so um, I came in wanting to transition and, and help with that process. And so I've been uh, for five years now, and, and uh, it's been it's been really good. Uh, there's been a lot to it, but um, what one thing that's just come to mind is I kind of got brought in to help transition this church, and I started to realize that there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. Because uh, <laughs> that's obvious, but that's uh, that's where I was sitting. And, uh, so I, I needed to learn too. And so, uh, been I've been taking some people to different saturated events, uh, one days and every days, uh, in St. Louis and Chicago. And in that conversation, coaching came up and it, to me, it was just like a no brainer. It's like, oh man, you're telling me guys that have gone before me that have done this in other places, uh, want to build into my life and offer advice and counsel, um, that was just it was awesome. so i I was thrilled to get in and uh, it's been really helpful for me in my my process.
1: It's great. We wanted to hear also uh, some of the experience about how it's been for you up to this point. Um, so Dan, we'll circle back around. We're gonna ask you some more about that in a second. Um, but Ryan, uh, you've also been in this process. Yeah. And, um, you've got your own unique story and you're welcome to touch on that just a little bit. Um, but the question we had for you is, as you've been in the uh, coaching cohort, uh, for, I guess we're coming up on about a year now, you're about to finish that, that, um, experience. What has been most beneficial to you through the process?
2: Yeah, first, that's a hard question to answer because there's been so much, uh, but our, our our story is probably similar to Dan. My role is that we've got multiple campuses. I am over one of the campuses as a site pastor and also the pastor of missional living. And so for some time now, uh, even with different organizations that we've read and attended events, we've been trying to kind of seize missional community and missional living. And so coming into this, uh, that's was kind of the goal in transitioning more and more to missional living, missional coaches. Our our church families had a strong emphasis up to this point on small groups, but we've seen the limitation in that. And uh, one story that I think shows the benefit of this process, I had a, a couple of guys who are in our cohort right now who are not paid staff. Uh, one is an elder and one is maybe a future staff member, but um, I kind of had to cajole them to get them into this. They kind of thought this was just going to be another how-to Another strategy, that kind of stuff. And and you need that at the macro level. But I think what they have been and we've been so impressed with is at the micro level, this spiritual formation in the gospel that hasn't been assumed but has been coached, that has been that we've been led to self-discover on mm-hmm. on how that's the root of all of it. And so that's been a very different experience for specifically two of the men who are in our cohort, but they've told our coach that they've really appreciated and they have really uh, thought differently now having been a part of it for that time than when they went mm. into it.
1: And what about, what about you, Dan? Have have you seen some similar dynamics work as work themselves out in your cohort?
3: Yeah. You know, I think I had this expectation uh, coming in that, you know, I would just sort of sit and listen from a guru that really knew everything. And <laughs> and Chuck's great. Don't get me wrong. But I, I was really amazed because Chuck really resisted saying much a lot of the time. He would just ask really good questions. And questions that make you think and I think that a lot of times that I started realizing that's what I needed more than anything was is he was pointing me gently in right directions and biblical directions but he was also uh, by by just asking those questions and then making me process it um, that was really beneficial and it, it really made me then take ownership of the decisions and the convictions that I had and then it, re- it really helped me then when I walked away from the session because I owned it I was like oh well yeah, then this is what I need to do, and, and and that was incredibly helpful for me. Where sometimes I think you can kind of get some advice from someone, but you're not—they're not in your shoes, they're not in your world, and so you're trying to kind of translate and figure out what that looks like in your setting. And this mm. coach has been really helpful uh, because he's asking questions and letting you determine even outcomes of what this looks like, and uh, that's mm. that's been huge for me.
4: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Chuck is so good, and for us, often we—it's kind of fun to feel like an expert, you know. Um, and you can, and to be a guru, and that's kind of—I think it's one of the dark sides of Christian leadership—is oh, we got to be a guru, right. uh, a spiritual guru for people, uh, and it—and it really is just this challenge of oh, okay, how do I how do I resist that pull and begin asking questions and listening because they are the ones that are going to own whatever the next steps are, whatever uh, God's even putting inside of them that that's for them to to see and to walk out in faithfulness uh, which really kind of makes coaching a a growth process. And so I'm, I'm curious guys. And, and maybe um, Dan, you can, you can go first on this one is how have you or your church sort of grown through this this coaching process with Saturate? What's what's that growth been like personally and then for your church too?
3: Yeah. Well, sort of jumping off of what you were saying there, um, I think going through this coaching has really helped clarify how I'm making disciples at the, my local church. And when you think about it, what a mature disciple is, is not someone that follows Dan Bovenmeyer around and does whatever Dan Bovenmeyer thinks is smart. Um, what you want is you want guys that first are hearing from God, that are and guys and gals, women, men and women that are both hearing from God, and then people that are have the conviction to follow that lead, to follow what God's calling them to do. And so I think that's really uh, that's one thing that I started implementing within a couple months of starting coaching was we have a coaching process for our leaders here, and we started changing it from not being as content heavy more asking questions, asking them to search scripture, asking them to make decisions based on scripture and in community where people are speaking into each other's lives. But um, it really has changed it to going, no, uh, let's define what we want a leader to be. And we want them to be hearing from God. We want them to be obeying God. We want them to be believing the gospel. And we want them mm-hmm. to be on mission on community together. And and so that's that's what we want mature people doing. And and it's been really cool to watch people in our own church then blossom, uh, because they're really hearing from God and they're they're building deeper convictions and at the same time we're actually saying less as leaders. We're asking more questions and asking them to take ownership mm. of what God's yeah. doing in their life. Wow, that's awesome.
1: Doesn't it sound a little bit ridiculous? Like, you know what's really shifted in our work is that we're actually trying to get people to listen to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. we're, we're trying to get people to be faithful to scripture. Yeah. We've come to this place where we don't need the Holy Spirit. We have, you know, curriculums and books and, and things like that, which we don't realize those things were produced in the best, you know, scenarios as a result of someone else's experience. Right. No, and, right. I, and what I'm hearing from this is from you, Dan is that this has helped you you and your leaders make a shift to learn to do less t- teaching and talking and more of creating an environment for people to own their own convictions and what they already know to be true. Is that accurate?
3: That's absolutely right. And, and I, I absolutely believe uh, that there is a teaching gift and there's people that are meant to teach in the church. Um, but let's teach the scriptures faithfully. And then when you get to some of the application, that's where I've been learning. Coaching is so important. because you want someone to really say, okay, what am I convinced the scripture says? And then what do I personally need to do? And and I just am consistently surprised because I'll be thinking in my mind, oh, they should do this. And then they come up with something totally different. But then I'll mm-hmm. look at the passage myself and I'm like, well, yeah, that's scriptural. You should do that. It makes total sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just didn't, you know? And so uh, it, it's been really good. And I think that there's a, there's a freedom. There's a leader too. I think you were, you think about why are leaders so stressed out today? And a lot of it is we're trying to do so much. And some of it is we're trying to be the Holy spirit at times. And yeah, like you got to chill out and then you got to personally listen to the spirit, of course. And then you got to be, let other people have that opportunity too.
4: Yeah. That's, I think that's so key. You know, I had a, a really great professor in seminary who just sort of outline, you know, big issues in the church and and how we deal with them. And he said, often what we've done for the last, you know, 50, 60 years of the church in America is made every issue a die for issue. Yeah. And then it becomes really confusing. You're like, wait, we're, we're supposed to die for, you know, having an organ? Like, we have to die for that. Or you could even <laughs> say like, oh, we, you, you know, it's a life or death issue that your, you know, missional community looks just like the one that you started, you know, and right. um, and one of the things that he he said is, hey, I'm old enough now to realize, man, I only want to die for a few things. You know, like there's a few things that I'm willing to die for. Like Jesus is the good King, the eternal King. He died. He rose again for my sins. Uh, the gospel is a gospel of grace and love and mercy. And we have an all powerful, but all gracious God. And he's like, Then what one of the shifts that he would always say is, and that actually is what helps people. If you just stick to the handful of things that you're willing to die for, then they know, then they're able to say, oh, I know what I believe. And that's inspiring enough for me. And then coaching then can come in and say, okay, well, then what does it look like to be faithful to those things? And so, yeah, I love that. And I think sometimes people get confused, like, oh, so if you're, you know, following the spirit, then, you know, as a pastor, you don't say anything. It's like, no, we say stuff. That's really important. We're just kind of making it, you know, a handful of things that we just get to like repeat over and over again. And that's, and that's actually life giving. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. We got to hear from you too. You have something you want to add?
2: Yeah. I was just going to echo. I mean, that uh, our kind of discovery has been similar i think so often especially in pastoral ministry things like that we can do a lot of what we do without god unfortunately and without mm-hmm. his his power and without the spirit at work and i think that's one thing that we've all realized through this coaching process and and that's why there there is a rough framework right and there's a strategy but but the spirit directs where that ultimately goes and and you know so it, it's been just very refreshing to realize the pressure's off that we don't have to change the world ourselves nor can we, unless the spirit comes and kind of empowers the people of God to do the work of God. Mm. And that's, that's been really refreshing. That's been really um, empowering, not only for us as leaders, but for our church body too. That It's, it, isn't that funny? They get excited that God can actually use them. Mm. <laughs> right. So, that's great. And, and, and he desires to. So um, that's been, that's been very, mm very beneficial.
1: Yeah. Well, guys, that's been so good to hear a little bit about your experience. I actually haven't spoken as much one-on-one to the guys in the cohorts. I, I deal a lot with the coaches. So it's good to hear from you that that's what you're taking away. Um, we'd love to hear from both of you as we, um, kind of tie off this part of the conversation. Um, from your perspective, who do you think would be an ideal candidate for a coaching process like this?
2: Yeah, I know for, for us, we were trying to continue to, to move from Sunday to every day, as, as Jeff and others in, in Saturate say. So I think those who are, are humble and, and willing to learn, willing to discover what that looks like, um, who, who know, like Dan and I have both said that we don't have all the answers. Um, but, but if we're willing to submit and be humble, that, that God will give us those answers. I, I know I've really appreciated doing it uh, with three others from our team, from our family church family. And so that's been super beneficial because I mean, we we had a coaching session just this past time. And then we we're like, wow, that was that was crazy. That was amazing. And so we got together us four in anticipation for our next time. So there's there's synergy and collaboration and, and you know, bouncing off ideas that we can do. And I've really appreciated that, though, I, I think it would be beneficial even for individuals, um, maybe like I don't know if that's where Dan's at or, or others who are kind of in that role, seeking to transition from Sunday more to the everyday from just the gospel there to the gospel in all of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you guys uh, have talked about this with, um, with Jeff, but one of the reasons why we designed the cohort process was uh, many years ago, I was talking to Jeff about the healthiest organizations as opposed to the ones that aren't the greatest. And the healthiest ones create an environment of shared learning. And they make the shift from individual conversations, individual values to shared conversations and shared values, which means shared uh, learning experiences, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to create an environment where where people were all together uh, learning from each other. So, though you may not get coached every session, you're learning and you're growing while you're listening to someone else being coached. And that's what makes great organizations and great movements is where we're not keeping our secrets to uh, from each other, but we're actually sharing it with each other. And so that's why the the cohort environment was designed that way. Um, What about uh, Dan? What about you? Who, Who would you say is the most ideal candidate for a coaching process like this?
3: Well, I think there's several ideal candidates. And I just wanted to quickly second what was said there about um, group learning. Um, uh, I really loved that. I was a little skeptical going in, but even having another pastor, our preaching pastor here and I did this together this year, and I think it was really good for us to even listen it forced us to listen to each other. <laughs> and then I think it really helped us rally and form plans as well. So I think there really is benefit to having more than one person from a church. On together. Um, but yeah, as far as different people like me involved, um, so we recommended we have a, a church that we're planting that's coming out of us, and we recommended to that, that leadership that they do saturate coaching. So we already have one guy on next year coaching. And so I think someone who's thinking about planning a church, uh, this is a fantastic way to start out, I think, on a church plant. Uh, why not get your foundation set now? As you're thinking through this, getting time to sit down and think about what you're doing uh, with someone outside asking these questions is fantastic. Uh, I think it's definitely beneficial to those who want to transition churches. I I think even then what I would just say is uh, really make sure when you're doing this that you're not a solo guy coming in, but that this is a team approach. So I would really strongly encourage you if you're transitioning, if you're like the community groups guy or missional communities guy. don't just do it alone. Bring someone else with you that's in a leadership position at that church. And, um, and then I think there may be some churches, too, that maybe just feel like um, maybe they've started off and, and they're, they're floundering or they need some outside help and encouragement. Sometimes there's churches that are somewhat isolated. And I think this mm. can also be very good um, where you're just like lag, lag, lagging a little bit, not sure what to do next. Sometimes uh, an outside coach can be a really helpful thing. And especially if you're a lead guy, I think that can be, uh, you have to be, it can be scary because you may like, are they going to try to make me do something way different that I don't want to do? And that's really not this type of coaching. What they're asking you to do is to to do some content and then scriptural content. Think about what the passage says and then say, what is God leading me to do? And so it's not highly directive. It's you're really directing a lot of it. Well, really the spirit's directing it. And um, I think it's really helpful. So I know that one fear we had going in was, is that, are we just going to, is there going to be this, like, set way of doing church that we're going to try to get wedged into? And that was not the case at all. We were being asked mm-hmm. to listen in spirit and make decisions ourselves. And so I think uh, for any of those three scenarios, um, any one of those, uh, I think this coaching totally works.
2: I think one thing that we've really appreciated too. I've been in a coaching relationship in the past uh, outside of this, and um, and it was good for practical nuts and bolts. How do you want to live? What I've really appreciated about Saturate is it is it weds and equips you in the depths of the gospel, uh, in your head and 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 your heart and your hands. So it, it it equips you in in what you know of the gospel and not assuming that, but then also the the application and how you live that out. And if you don't have that first one then it can just become behavior that wanes in time when you don't have the theology that undergirds that.
1: Yeah. it's a great thing to add. Um, Brad, I had a couple of things I wanted to add kind of as we uh, close things out. Um, But I didn't want to cut you off. if You had something you wanted to ask.
4: Oh, no, I was just going to say everything that's being shared is just so um, encouraging. Such grace that that's what you guys have been experiencing uh, through this process. And I'm just amazed that like, Oh man, like, Skype calls get used by God in this way, you know, and I just, um, it's so, yeah, it's just so wonderful. So that's all, that's all I was really going to add. I was just marveling and, and worshiping over here in my office, like, wow, God like uses us and uses these systems to, to somehow, yeah, bring glory. So anyway,
1: well, and I want to say it's, it's really rewarding to hear from you guys and hear the experience that you've had. Um, you know, our our goal in, in featuring you two um, on this conversation um, is I, I think that we want to paint a picture for what learning can be like in the church, and um, I think what it's I think what it was meant to be. I mean, if you think about Jesus' disciples hanging out with each other on a camping trip, he wasn't taking one of them off by themselves and like, okay, I want to teach you this. He was having these group conversations together. And they were doing it in a way to where everyone could learn these things they were talking about were reproducible in such a way to where those guys ended up going to the ends of the, of the earth. And all of them, except for one, was killed for it. And they were gladly able to endure that kind of life because they had been grown in such a way to where they'd become so strong to learn to ask the right questions, to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit, that they would do anything. And um, I think that's an exciting thing about uh, learning environments like this. Um, And I was thinking as you guys were talking about Jesus' words to Nicodemus in John 3, where um, he says to Nicodemus, he goes, the spirit is like the wind. It comes and it goes, but nobody knows where it is coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit of God. And I see the coaching process as really a journey of the spirit. Um, I see it as, you know, the, this analogy of the wind, how if you, if you watch a sailboat out on the water, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere in particular. It just looks like it's floating around, being pushed by the, the wind and, and catching the sail. And um, and I think that's a it's a it's something that we have um we need to recover in the church to learn to be okay, to allow the spirit to blow people on these journeys that look kind of crazy. Like we think they should be going a certain direction, but the reality is the spirit doesn't have them going that direction. And we could not um guide them through to point, you know, from A to Z unless we allow the Spirit to take them to the places that they um uniquely need to be sent. And we wouldn't know that unless we backed up to ask questions and to get them and to get our group together to learn to listen and depend on the spirit together. And I hear that when I hear you guys sharing your experience, and I'm just super thankful for it. And um, so we wanted to feature you too, so that other people could also hear what a learning environment like this looks like. And if anything, to be challenged to learn to do a little bit less talking, and a lot more asking. And I think that when we can do that, we find a structure that can help support a gospel movement because it's not reproducible to take, you know, Brad Watson with us everywhere in our back pocket, (laughs) but it is reproducible to learn to to depend on the spirit that we've been given. So, um, so that's our hope for this uh, special feature. And um, thank you guys for being on the show with us.
3: Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us on. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Wow. Such a great conversation, guys.
4: Thanks for for coming on. And for you, the listener, if you're interested in learning more about Saturate's coaching and and how to even participate in one of these uh, coaching cohorts, uh, you can simply go to saturatetheworld.com slash coaching. And there you'll find out about pricing and the logistics of it all, and even be able to ask questions of people like David uh, to learn more about this whole process and and the fruit and the joy of all of those things. So if you're interested, check that out. It's saturatetheworld.com slash coaching. And that's all for us today. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed growing in this learning experience alongside you and pray that through all of this, we're better equipped to be messengers of the gospel and demonstrators of the gospel in community and on mission wherever we live.
0: Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.